This week on Wealth Track, why Nuveen's influential strategist and fund manager Bob Dahl is recommending alternative. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. Before we dive into this week's topic, we would like to ask you to participate in an anonymous survey on WealthTrack.com to help us serve you better and also let our sponsors know how special our audience is. So please join us on WealthTrack.com for a brief anonymous survey. One dominant market observation of the last decade has been that we have been experiencing the least believed bull market in history. As of August of 2018, the markets advanced in large cap stocks at least had indeed become the longest bull market in history. But the experience of investors has been anything but a straight shot. If you look at indexes outside the largest U.S. company stocks, it has been a much more perilous ride with several major corrections along the way. The Russell 2000, which is used as a proxy for small company stocks, is a case in point. It has experienced three major reversals in the last decade. This week's guest operates in the sweet spot of the current market, large company stocks, but he is advising caution to his clients. He has widely followed market strategist and successful investor Robert Dahl, senior portfolio manager and chief equity strategist at Nuveen. Dahl is famous for his frequently accurate list of 10 annual predictions, forecasting market economic interest rate and political trends, among others a brave forecasting exercise for anyone. He is also a longtime money manager. He has run three different large cap strategies for years, large cap core, value and growth, which are available as Nuveen mutual funds. And for almost seven years, he has managed two alternative strategies also available as funds, Nuveen equity market neutral and Nuveen equity long short. I asked all to begin the conversation with the big picture. With the economic recovery now the longest on record and slowing, how worried is he about a recession? Why don't you think we're going to have a recession? Mainly because the U.S. consumer is in phenomenal shape. The number of people working, the number of new jobs, the fact that wage growth has picked up, savings rate for the consumer, Consuelo, is 7%. Wow, that's Very high, high especially at this point in the cycle. Yeah. Exactly. So the U.S. consumer, which is the biggest chunk of the global economy, is doing really well. And there are other parts that are kind of so-so, and then there are other parts that are hurting. Right. So the tailwind for this economy is the consumer. Yes. Right. What would change that? Well, consumer confidence. Mm-hmm jobs, Mm -hmm. if all of a sudden job growth fell off a cliff and or there were a lot of layoffs, that's going to take some time and a lot of weakness. Right. So we've got some time at least, if not uh, more strength from the consumer. So what are some of the major headwinds? So protectionism would be one. Correct. And and all that goes with that is not just protection. It's the whole populism thing. Mm -hmm. Globalization is dying, if you will. It's every man for himself, every country for itself. And that that puts a dampener on growth, no question about it. How much is the slowdown in the rest of the world 
hurting us. When does that start to really affect the U.S.? Or are we a diverse, big enough economy that we can kind of go it alone? We are the most isolated big economy in the world. Yeah. Imports and exports as a percentage of our GDP is the smallest of any big country. Now, having said that, manufacturing and exports in the United States are struggling. Right. Why? Because we sell to those people over there. And if they're slowing down, that part of our economy struggles. A year ago, Bob Dahl, on this very program... <laughs> Uh-oh, what did I say? You told me that Washington doesn't move the markets, that <laughs> earnings do. <laughs> Have you changed your no, opinion on that? I, let me say it this way. Okay. Over the longer term, if I can amend it, earnings move the market. Okay. Day-to-day, Washington can make this happen, and we've seen a ton of that, Consuelo. You're absolutely right. So it's the day-to-day machinations of the various tweets and everything else... So Washington can affect it, but you're thinking, you know, the long term, the underlying trend will be determined by earnings. If earnings are okay, the market's okay. The bad news is earnings growth is slowing, and therefore we're much more cautious on the market than we would have been, say, a year ago. Right. So let's talk about how much earnings are slowing. Because um, I, I think, you know, it was, it was over a year ago, um, after tax reform and other factors, we talked about corporate earnings, and they were up, you know, 20, 25%. Yes. How much has it changed? How much are earnings slowing? Big time. Big time? When the year is finished, it looks like earnings growth for calendar 2019 will be 2, 3, 4%. That's a big change from 20-something. Sure is. Now, the expectation for next year by Wall Street analysts is up another 10. My guess is they're smoking something funny. Uh-huh. I think <laughs> it would be lucky to get half that kind of number, because I'll call it five or six which at this point in the economic cycle is pretty good news. But if you're expecting 10 and you only get five, that means right. there are a lot of earnings disappointments to come. So what, what does that do to the markets? And I mean, what does it do as far as your assessment of market valuations are concerned? Well, so the, the earnings growth and valuation, P.E. times E, makes the market. Right. And we've just said E is a little bit questionable. So that takes you to P.E., and it's hard to pound the table there either. Mm-hmm. Remember, at the low in December, P.E. ratios were 13 and a half. Now we're looking at between 17 and 18. Right. So was that on trailing 12-month earnings? That's correct. Okay. That's For correct. the S&P 500. Correct. Right. And 13 and a half, that's pretty good news. It, it is. Especially with interest rates and inflation this low. Approaching 18, that's another story. It doesn't mean the market's overvalued, but it's fairly valued, fully valued. Mm-hmm. So you need either earnings growth or cheaper prices, which means a decline, to get really bullish on stocks, in my view. Right. So we had a, a terrible quarter in the fourth quarter of, of 2018. So do you envision, I mean, something like that? No question. We've had a lot of volatility right. as the VIX has begun to move up some. But the fourth quarter had its unique factors, most particularly the Fed. Right. The Fed basically said, we're going to raise rates every meeting for the rest of your career kind of thing. <laughs> and that just scared uh, the markets big time, and we had that 20% decline. So that's not going to happen now. As a matter of fact, the Fed looks like it's going to start easing again at yes. least once or twice Correct. or whatever. Of course, they've done one already. Right. There are at, le- at least one more to come that mm-hmm. this month of September. Mm-hmm. Probably one more we'll see. Hopefully not a lot more. The more they have to do, the weaker the economy is and the worse the earnings are. So we can't depend on the Fed to have a pill for everything that ails us. Right. And there's a little bit of that psychology going around. Let me ask you about an, another part of the earnings picture, and that was I, I saw an interesting study recently out of GMO, a, a firm, 
about how well the biggest U.S. companies have been doing um, in profitability and earnings growth, P.E. expansion, than other types of stocks. And, um, and also, needless to say, from the rest of the world. So, so the big mega caps, and you invest in some of them. I mean, you, you, know, you have invested in your large cap mutual funds in yes. Apple and Microsoft yes. and Facebook and Amazon. Yes. I mean, those have been just the locomotives of the market and of the earnings figures, actually, that everybody looks at in the market. See, earnings do move markets. They do move markets. <laughs> but it's such a small universe of companies that have really had this dominant There's no question. influence. And so... In this environment, we've right. had the survival of the fittest. So maybe the first, maybe the second company in every industry has done well. But number three, four, five, it's been much more of a struggle. Mm-hmm. So as you go down in capitalization right. or overseas geographically, we have not had the same kind of earnings growth. And therefore, those stocks have not done as well. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, I, I just want to focus on these mega caps. And again, everybody was focusing at one point on the fangs. Yes. Anyhow. Yes. But the, the fact of, of their economic might dominance and their, their dominance in the market and the market cap, you know, their ability to move the entire index when it's just them really that's doing well. So does, is this something that, you know, we've seen before? Is it... Can it continue? You own them. Do you think that, you know, they're going to continue to dominate? We clearly saw that way back when in the Nifty 50. Right. Those few stocks carried the whole market and did way better than the market as a whole. Yes. That delta now, the difference is not quite as strong, but it's clearly there as you point Mm -hmm. out. Uh, Those companies are dominant in the benchmarks. Right. They're also dominant in all the major ETFs. Mm-hmm. Oh, so when people put money to work in index funds and these big ETFs, they're buying those stocks mm-hmm. and helping to push them up. Mm-hmm. Now, their fundamentals, as we argued a sec- second ago, earnings, cash flow, are generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. But your positioning in them, in your large cap mutual funds at yes. the Nuveen Large Cap Series. Yes. I'm assuming they're in core and I'm assuming they're in growth. Yes. Is that right? Correct. Okay. These big- they're in there, but they're underweight versus our benchmark. So if Amazon's one we're kind of neutral on, we own some Amazon because it's this big in the benchmark. And right. Zero in it is making a big bet. Yeah. Thankfully, we've had some in there. Right. Which is helped. In hindsight, we right. wish we had a whole lot more. Right. But the valuation in many of these companies causes us to say risk reward not that interesting. As a matter of fact, you know, you, you <laughs> said it's you, you consider it to be a neutral position, yes. right? So it's not the size of what it is. If, if I invested in the S&P 500 index, for instance, I would have a much bigger weighting in, in, in Amazon yes. than, than I would in my Nuveen, you know, large cap growth. Absolutely okay. right. Absolutely right. Um, but you say your overall uh, outlook in the market or your stance in the mar- in the market is you describe it as boringly neutral. Correct. What does boringly neutral mean? It means it's hard to come up with reasons why the market's going to go up a significant amount and thankfully hard to come up with reasons for down significant amount. So I'm boringly neutral. I think we're going to bounce around with a lot of volatility as we've seen in recent months. I even think about if you look at the chart of the S&P 500, for the last 18 months, it's basically flat. A lot of this around that flatline right. can swell, but it's basically going nowhere. I think we're going to have more of that. So for individual investors, we have been told, it's, it's kind of a mantra, that um, you know, stay fully invested because the market goes up most of the time. So just you know, stay in the, I mean, U.S. has been a great place to invest. The large cap U.S. stocks have been a great place to invest. 
But how do I protect myself if I'm, let's say I'm nearing retirement or I'm in retirement, and I say, gee, it's okay for a professional, but you know what, I'm concerned. How do I protect myself? There's several things you can do. You can take a little money off, money off the right. table, which right. a lot of people have done and probably right. others should do. Uh, you can diversify by saying, I'm going to buy some of these laggard areas, small cat, mm -hmm. non-US. You have to have some patience if you're going to do that in my right. view. Another thing you can do is think about a market neutral fund. Uh, any kind of absolute return product. If you think markets like me are kind of going nowhere, right. why not try to own some vehicles where your beta, the exposure to the market, is zero or mm -hmm. close to it mm -hmm. and benefit from owning some good companies and shorting some bad companies. If the so you better explain how a market neutral fund so works. In ours and many works. others, we own about 100 stocks long right. and 100 stocks short. So if there's a million dollars in that fund, we're long a million and short a million. They cancel each other out and give us a beta of zero. Mm -hmm. But of course, the stocks don't move the same way. No, they Let's don't. Let's take a down market example. If the market's down 10%, we're successful if our longs are only down 8%, mm -hmm. but our shorts are down 12%. Mm -hmm. We've just made 4% for our investors, and they're very happy. Okay, so, so, the, so the long selection, you're buying like the best 100 out of a universe of... A thousand. A thousand. Or also, one thousand. Okay, our so that's sort of sort. So, um, it, it, explain to me how a market neutral fund will will affect your portfolio. Right. So you recognize it. it's an absolute return portfolio. So the goal there is just to make a little bit of money, mm -hmm. not lose any. But you won't keep up with the market. If the market's up twenty percent, a good equity market neutral fund will be up five or six. Mm -hmm. But if the market's down twenty, a good equity market neutral fund will be up five or six. I see. You see, it's independent of the market. So it gives you diversification and introduces you to an absolute rate of return. Mm -hmm. So it's a hedge against a market decline. Correct. Doesn't do anything for you in, a, in an up market. That's right. But in a market decline, if it works as it should, Correct. it, it, it will, can be up. It will protect you because your, your short positions will override the declines of the long -term. That's the goal. That's the goal. Okay. You might think of it over the longer term as like enhanced cash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, if you have cash in your portfolio, which is another option for your question from earlier right. about people, how do you get defensive? Have a little cash in your portfolio. Right. And But cash these days um, is... Not know, a very good I mean, return. Right. It's, it's the portion of your portfolio that you're not investing, so it's, it protects that. Yeah. But, if, if you think the markets are vulnerable... Right. Having up 2%, i.e. a return on cash, mm -hmm. is a lot better than minus 10 if that's where the market's going. Right. See. Let me go, go back to the large cap portfolios yes. because you know, that's really where most people are invested. And again, it's been a very successful investment in the U.S. Right. Um, so your, your view of your large cap portfolios, the, the core, the value, and the growth. So, so they have a beta of approximately one. They're mm -hmm. exposed to the market. Yes, in the last 10 years, the S&P 500 has gone up 16% per annum. That's not a bad 10-year return. No, that's a phenomenal 10-year <laughs> So that was a huge tailwind for our large-cap core growth and value portfolios. Right, right. Because they're invested in those stocks. Right. If the return going forward isn't 16 anymore, but closer to zero, let's say five, just to pick a number. And, and you don't, I mean, that's just a very unusually high return. Yes. It's so you don't expect it to Correct. The long-term average is close. 10. So if we've had 16, yeah. we're now at 10. Maybe we need a few years of five for that number to average out 10, let's say. Right. 
And given where we are in the economic cycle, i.e. fairly mature, given where we are in valuations, i.e. fairly high, profit margins are at all-time highs, uh, these things all point to next three, five-year returns are probably going to be lower than normal. Mm -hmm. Therefore, thinking about how you're going to hedge your portfolio. Are you going to have some real estate in your portfolio, some alternative assets, some cash, some equity market neutral funds? There are lots of ways to diversify, to get away from the big returns you've enjoyed in large cap U.S. Right. Again, I'm going back to the fangs. When you look at these big, powerful companies that just kind of seem to dominate their industries, they're, I mean, they're expanding, they're growing, their influence is growing. You don't think that this is like a, a kind of a, a new phenomenon or that, that they're, they've gotten you know, kind of so big and successful that they can actually keep growing at, at above average rates? And They can. They can grow you know. above average rates, but their valuation is what the question is. Okay. And we've seen this before. If you remember the tech bubble, we right. saw what happened the other side of that. Now, tech stocks got but, a lot more overvalued than they perhaps are today. Right. And also, the, I mean, when you think about the to- dot-com bubble, I mean, th- those were companies that had no earnings. They, I mean, they were just... No earnings and no revenues. No revenues. No, it was, no, it was a eyeballs. dream. Exactly. Right. I mean, exactly. It was, right, exactly. So th- that's really different yes. than when you're looking yes. at the Amazon business model and the Facebook. The, and, the, these right. are solid companies with earnings. Right. There is no question about that. Right. Which also tells me that we're not exposed the way we were then. That, that was the 2020 hindsight. Mm-hmm. A crazy period. Um, you know, remember, it's different this time. Yes. Tech's going to take over the world and, and the markets, it almost did. <laughs> right, right. But, and, but also, it's, so, so you're in, in a large cap uh, companies, U.S.-based companies, but large cap U.S.-based companies have a lot of business overseas. Yes. So how does that figure into your analysis of, of their business models? So we, it, have, we have five themes in our portfolio. Mm-hmm. The fifth and the longest standing and the most profitable is to be overweight companies that get most of their business in the United States. Okay. So, so that's work. Using, using round numbers, 30% of our benchmark, the Russell 1000, revenues come from outside the U.S. In our portfolios, we've been about 20 so we're still exposed, but less than our benchmark. Right. So we've had less of a headwind over the last few years mm-hmm. from the fact that economic growth in the U.S. has been much stronger than overseas. And so you, in your value portfolio, for instance, you'd be looking at places where there's excessive pessimism and which, have, which the market is denigrating. So I'm assuming that, that some of the areas where there's more value is in companies that are overseas, right? That have, that have more overseas. Business. Yes, that's right. correct. And but so the, is this the time to step up yet? Not or? yet. Not yet. They're cheap, but you need the catalyst, which right. is usually earnings, and we just don't see it Don't yet. see it coming. Yeah. All right. One of the areas we do, Consuelo, is financials. Mm-hmm. Uh, people loved them last year, not so much liking them this year, and they are doing a little better. U.S. financials. U.S. financials. Right, because like the banking system in Overseas has some problems. It has some real problems, Right. right. Talk about the other alternative fund that you're running is the Nuveen Long Short Fund. Yes. So explain what how that works and how that differs from the market neutral fund. Right. So Equity Long Short is an equity fund with training wheels. It's uh, pseudo equity. It has a beta, not to be overly confusing, of 0.7. So, so it's, equity market neutral, zero. Right. A typical large cap core, an index fund, one. Right. This one's 0.7. So you get most of the upside and, sadly, most of the downside, mm-hmm. plus or minus our alpha. Like an equity market neutral, 
we have about 100 longs, about 100 shorts. Right. Similar names to the equity market and the short, but they're in different proportions. Ah. So you will get exposure to the stock market. So if you want to back off some, you use an equity long short fund. If you want that absolute return, you've got to go to a market neutral. Wait, if you want to back off some, back off some from exposure to the market? To the stock market, correct. Okay. From, if, I, if you will, 1 to 0.7. Right, right. So, so the long only, the traditional large cap core, that's your exposure to the stock market. Right. And you want an equity weighting, whatever that is, given where you are and your view of the long term, et cetera. If you want some absolute return, a substitute for cash, mm-hmm. or you want to back off the market some, take some, some chips off, uh, off the table, right. you can go to equity market neutral and have that enhanced return over time. If you want to play it somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. you go to the equity long short portfolio. I know it sounds complicated, but different people have different objectives and mix these funds in different ways to achieve what they're trying to accomplish. Right. And so would you, would you have both alternative funds in, in, in one portfolio? You can. We, we, right. we, we work with uh, uh, some folks who have some of both, and they mix them in proportions to get them exactly what the market exposure they're trying to mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. Personally, I use large cap core and equity market neutral. Mm-hmm. Beta of one, beta of zero. I can achieve any beta I want by combining those two. Yeah. And how are you combining them in your personal portfolio? About 60% large cap core, 40% equity market neutral. Uh-huh. When I'm n- neutral on the market or positive on the market, it's a much higher large cap large core. Large cap position. core, right. And, and if I were to turn negative, right. we'd own more equity market neutral. Right. Um, so let us know when you're going to go uh, more <laughs> negative. You tell me when the next recession is coming. I'll answer that question. Um, let, let me ask you about, uh, there are a couple of things going on in the market, some big trends. I mean, obviously, one is the passive versus active. You're an active manager. What Your view of the passive, of the move to passive. Yeah, the move to passive has come uh, for a bunch of reasons. One, I don't want to worry about picking managers. Therefore, I just want exposure to the market. Right. Two, too many active managers have underperformed for too many years. Mm-hmm. And so investors have said, I'm just going to go with the index. I don't, I don't need the stock picker anymore. Three, if the stock market's going up 16% per annum, as we talked about earlier, what do I need? Somebody's going to give me another point or two because maybe they'll be a point or two short. Mm-hmm. 16's fine. Thank you very much. That's why this trend has happened. Right. I, I'd say there's a fourth reason I should have started with this one. Fees. Mm-hmm. People don't want to pay. Mm-hmm. to get active managers, managers. Right. So, so they go with these passive products. Right. So, But your view of the passive products at this point in the market cycle, if you want to be a, one wants to be a market timer, how worrisome is that? Being boringly neutral, Consuelo, my guess is returns on index funds are going to be about zero. Mm-hmm. In fact, the stock market, as we talked about earlier, is about the same place it was January of 18. Right. So we've kind of gone to nowhere for 18 months, so mm-hmm. those passive products have returned zero. Mm-hmm. I want my money working for me. I, I, zero's not too good. And, and how risky do you think the market is at this point, this far along in the bull market and the economic we cycle? We clearly have issues. We touched on them. The trade issue right. with, with China, the earnings concerns, the maturation of a lot of things, the fact that labor is fully utilized, utilized unemployment rate, a 50-year low, for example. And you put all those things in, and, you know, you can't expect this thing to last forever. Now, bull markets do not die of old age. I don't want to come across as saying just because it's old, it's going to die. Right. But we're going to have a recession again. The last couple of years I've said, and I'm still saying, 2021, that's my best guess. 
So we have some time, but we don't have forever. Right, and so therefore, uh, start becoming more defensive and if you, however you want to do it. Bingo. You know, you've got, you've give, given us some options. Um, the one investment for long-term diversified portfolio, the last time you were on, which was over a year ago, was in a market neutral fund. What would it be today? An equity market neutral fund. Preparing investors for flattish markets for a while and maybe a recession someday and down earnings in a down market, I want my money to have a chance of having a, a positive return. We will leave it there, Bob Dahl. Thank Thanks. you so much for joining us. Thank you, Consuelo, as always. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is look into some basic hedging strategies to cushion you from market declines. Dahl mentioned market neutral funds. He runs a top performing one for Nuveen. Vanguard has one that's low fee and carries a silver medalist rating. The simplest old fashioned approaches are of course to hold cash and cash equivalents like treasury bills and gold, all of which are non-correlated to the stock market and provide protection when markets get hit. Next week, global value investor Chuck Delardemel questions the long-term usefulness of cash as a hedge and explains why he is favoring gold. In this week's extra feature on WealthTrack.com, Bob Dahl recommends a book on leadership from a biblical source. Please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for watching, have a great weekend, and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.